and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends Connor Allen, Sharp Clark, to get close to the regular season and, and nearly put a bow here on our divisional preview series. We're all excited to uh, jump in this week to talk about the AFC North. I'll start with Connor. How are we doing today, buddy? Good on the final leg of my bachelor party tour in August and very thankful to be done. My liver is hurting, but we're going to Vegas in a couple of weeks to draft some fantasy teams as well. So I'm sure that won't help, uh, but I'm really excited for the season. And this division is incredible. It's has a ton of good teams. And the more that I dug in, the more it became more difficult for me to find a clear winner here. You should be able to survive Vegas. Not going to do any golf out there this year. Um, I nearly uh, lost my friend's to uh heat stroke last time we decided to go out there even in the first week of september decided that we wanted to navigate some of the local uh, courses and uh yeah connor nearly died um also tried to play basically still drunk um on like two hours of sleep which is probably a suboptimal way to play desert golf but uh yeah just gonna skip that this time and it was like a hundred something right it was like a hundred something it was I thick mean. man it was it was seriously I sat in the clubhouse for the last eight holes, I think, uh, because I just was like about to pass out, like ice on my neck and everything. It was wild, wild yeah, ride. It was not great. Uh, joining us again, as always, Sharp Clark. How are we doing, buddy? Good. Uh, I'm excited about this weekend because uh, it's my home league's annual draft. We've been going 16 years, and we don't even play for money. And yet every year, it's the most competitive and difficult league that I play in. 14 teams auction draft in person. It's, it's a blast. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Shout out to the PHL. Love it. Yeah. Some, that's just the homely nature, right? Like it doesn't even really matter. Definitely always playing for more than, than any cash prize. It's definitely bragging rights, especially if you have a long standing home league. So good luck. Hopefully you're uh, using some of our internal auction uh, pricing rankings and stuff like that. So auctions definitely the way to go to a whole different beast and whole different strategy. So good stuff. All right, yeah, we're going to do AFC North today. We have uh, six in the books. We only have two left. We have the AFC North here this week. We're going to do the AFC West next week. So we have a handful of Super Bowl contenders still to unpack. You can, uh, again, if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, I appreciate that. Thumbs up, subscribe, uh, all those things, comments. Let us know who you like here in the the AFC North. We uh, appreciate all those things. Um, Again, if you're still listening and hanging out podcast form, we're there as well. Uh, Five stars, again, free content. All those things, little things seem small, but they go a long way in helping support the stuff that we're doing here. Um, we're going to continue as we get into uh, the season. We're going to be doing uh, more more shows. We're going to be here, uh, move the line with the three of us, talking um, game breakdowns, sides and totals every Wednesday during the season. Uh, we have some news coming out in terms of what we're doing with the prop drop, which is Connor, myself, uh, and we have a third this year. We will soon be announcing that information. That'll be on Fridays this season. So still once a week now. In season, we'll have two Move the Line episodes per week. So again, uh, podcast form, YouTube, subscribe, um, and you won't miss the show. Uh, also, great time to scoop up a betting sub. If you want to get in, you have your own auction league, your own home league this week, um, like Clark does. The betting sub gets you access to everything. So rankings, tools, projections, any article, uh, basically anything you want to do in terms of like speculation on football, we have it covered. The Discord is really where you want to be in terms of betting subs because that's where all of the bets are pushed through first uh, into our subscriber Discord. Uh, that's coming before any article. Oftentimes, even when it gets into the site into an article form, it's often dead. Uh, we, you know, we have a pretty sizable Discord crowd uh, that is oftentimes – uh, frothing in the mouth for bets and very, very active and quick to operate. So uh, you want to get in there so you don't miss those things. And that comes with the betting sub. It's the place to go. Some cheap ways to get it. You can find that on the site. If you go on to 444.com slash plans, or you go into the betting sub, you can find ways to get free subscriptions, cheap subscriptions. Uh, if you have not taken advantage of BetMGM yet, um, you can use our promo code. There's all that information here in the show notes. You can get a betting sub essentially for $10, which is wild. I mean, it, it, I think we should be priced over $300. We're not. We're a little shy of that. So being able to get access to all the things that we do at 444 for $10 is kind of insane to me. Uh, we also have some other partners in the Pick'em space like Vivid Picks uh, where you can play and deposit $5 and get a two-month betting sub. Again, you just want to dip your toes and get a taste of what we do. That's available for 5 bucks. So again, uh, insane deals. We've been talking about it for a while, but I know a lot of people wait until we get really close to the season and want to start to like jump in now. These deals are wild, guys. Take advantage. 
you can uh, check again, like I said, again, in the show notes, you can find where all of those are. So, all right. Uh, AFC North, um, again, four very, very, very strong football teams. Um, we'll start at the very top with the, uh, Cincinnati Bengals who are 11 to one to win the Super Bowl. That number is on both MGM and on DraftKings, uh, plus 550 on FanDuel and DraftKings to win the AFC. They are plus 160 on Caesars to win the division. Their win total is out to 11 and a half, juiced to the under um, 10 and a half. That was out there originally is cooked, and that's why we're seeing a little bit of the juice here. But, uh, you know, this is a, a football team that, look, got really close. They were a, like, uh, again, 2021, really surprising to see them in the Super Bowl. Everyone thought that they were a great regression candidate heading into the 2022 season, uh, partially because the schedule was brutal, and they got off to a slow start, four and four. Um, and that back half of the schedule looked like they were staring down the barrel and they absolutely rolled here. Uh, Connor, I'll let it, uh, let you get started here with uh, the Bengals. Yeah, this is tough because the more I dug into the Bengals, it's hard to poke too many holes here. So they lost both their starting safeties from last season, replaced one with Nick Scott from the Rams, who, uh, you know, wasn't all that good last year. They also, but they added, you know, left tackle Orlando Brown, they added Irv Smith to kind of supplement their loss of Hayden Hurst. The old line as a whole probably projects to be uh, about league average, but really with this team here, when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, you know T. Higgins, it's really tough to poke too many holes here in, in the, on the offense. They're favoring six straight games, heading into their bye, and they're underdogs just you know at San Francisco, at Kansas City. Um, I, I would say that there's a couple couple of tough games, but when you're looking at a team like the Bengals' caliber. It's really hard to say, oh, well, these tough games, these are definitely losses. Like they have, they're capable of beating anyone. And so for me, it's just kind of a stay away because I think they're very properly priced. And as we'll get to in the rest of the show, I think the division is really strong. So yeah, they're capable of beating anyone, but inevitably they're going to slip up along the way. So for me, it's kind of just a stay away. Like I think that they're strong, strong contender, but there isn't a reason for me to be overly bullish or overly down on them this year. So I think that it's just properly priced in the market. Clark, you did a really good job in our AFC East pod when we were talking about how we really feel like we have probably at least minimally nine true playoff contenders here in the AFC. You can make the case that there are some teams that are in the mix and you know, towards the tail end of that. And we're gonna just we're gonna have some attrition. We're gonna have some variance that comes in, typically in the form of injuries. And it's really hard to take a stance where some of these teams could be on the wrong side of it for a reason that we can't foresee currently in the preseason. Now, I think the bull case for the 2022 Bengals was the improvement along the offensive line, and it worked until the playoffs where they had cluster injuries late in the season, especially heading into that Kansas City game. But basically poaching one of Kansas City's top offensive linemen in Orlando Brown I think helps. You know, it, it kicks other guys to other sides. There's just even more depth to, to kind of solidify everything that they want to do. Uh, and I loved what they did last year where they saw – significantly more cover too. They knew that, right? Their teams are going to take away Jamar Chase over the top. They're going to take away T Higgins over the top. How can we adjust? And they did. They were significantly quicker in the ball out. Uh, they allowed Chase and Higgins and some of the other guys, even, you know, Hayden Hurst and Samaj P Ryan, two guys that aren't there anymore to kind of win after the catch and do some different stuff. So I love seeing them be able to adjust on the fly and um, you know, I'm bullish on them this season. I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on the Bengals here. The, there's something about the Bengals metrically or in the way they do things that betters don't like, at least betters with a lot of influence that bet later in the week. <clears throat> if you saw, if you noticed last week with the lines, they kept getting steamed against late in the week. Like the, they played the Patriots and I think that got steamed to three. They played the Bucks. that got steamed to three uh, in the playoffs. Uh, they played the bills and the bills steamed out to minus five and a half. And, and it seemed like everyone wanted to fade the Bengals and yet they kept covering. I mean, they, they covered something like eight straights in the year. I don't know the exact numbers. Depends on what number you got. Um, and so there's there's something about this team that it's just not impressing the people that really pay attention. And I'm one of those people. Like I I watch the way that they play, and and it's like they consistently pull out things that are uh, low low probability propositions, right? I mean, a lot of people say like Joe Burrow is just clutch. Like he gets it done when it matters. And, and that, and that is the thing that I, that I think is an element of sports. Like I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the numbers capture everything. And so I'm willing to recognize that I could be wrong about the Bengals. I could be something that my approach misses. Um, but in the past, when there's been a gap between what I'm expecting and what happens, sticking to my guns has typically been a good thing. Like I remember last year, 
with the Jaguars. I was really optimistic on them and they started the year really poorly. They had some, some really rough losses in the middle of the middle of the season, but my numbers were saying, no, this is a really good team. The, the results don't, don't in, you know, indicate what might happen in the future. And sure enough, consistently being bullish on the Jags paid off in the long run. So I think I'm with the betters that are fading the Bengals. Um, I, I think they're a good team. They obviously have a great quarterback. The offensive line, I would say even is above average Connor. I think that their offensive line is near the top of the league. Um, their defense is decent. Lou Anarumo is a great coordinator who somehow never gets, you know, hired as a head coach, but they've kept that consistency on the coaching staff. They've got a good offensive line. They've got incredibly good receivers, at least for this year. Um, so I think they're going to be a really good team, but I don't put them in the same tier as Kansas City. I don't even put them in the same tier as Buffalo. I think they're a feisty contender, um, but generally lacking in in sort of the high-end upside that they're going to have to get lucky in order to win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I disagree. I, I like them a lot. Um, I love the, uh, the Lou Amarillo callouts um, because I think that they – I think he is, like you said, I, you know, should probably be in consideration annually for, you know, head coaching job. And um, I think his ability – you know, we, we talked about this a few times this previous series. Like, we've done – do a lot of work. We try to find any edge we can through charting defensive tendencies. And the Bengals are a team – that are very difficult to draw any conclusions from because they are probably the best in-game adjustment defensively in the league. Right? That was a title that the Patriots and Belichick had for years. I would say that they probably still are really good at that and why they're able to sometimes punch above their, their weight uh, because Belichick is really good in-game. Lou Amarillo is really good at that as well. Like Their ability to just see what's happening and be able to just schematically make changes defensively based off of what they're seeing um, football outsiders has them. They noted that they didn't score a second half touchdown or didn't allow a second half touchdown until late in October. They finished with the um, best second half scoring differential in the league. So it just shows again, in-game adjustments that can be on the offensive side too, right, where the offense also is able to kind of outscore teams once they get a sense of, of what's going on. Um, I love their off season. I thought they did a great job. I know that they lost, some key safeties and safety is you know, losing Jesse Bates is a big loss. Um, you know, Von Bell as well, but they did a really good job last year drafting ahead. So they drafted Dax Hill the year before late in the first round. They had another early second round pick. They added Cam Taylor Britt who played more than they were expecting last year at corner. You know, Dax Hill slides in um, this year to play nickel corner um, with Mike Hilton goes down. Um, you know, Chigo Awuzie, their like best corner, basically missed the, the entire second half of the season last year. He's back this year. They have more depth. They added Miles Murphy as another body along the you know defensive front to you know add edge rushers. Like they just don't have any holes. They have great linebacker depth. Uh, really, really, and again, you mentioned the offensive line is even better. So I get like the magic bean stuff with Joe Burrow may be a little hard uh, for some people, but man, I just think that we've seen it for basically two and a half years, three, you know, three seasons that he's played, that um, he's been a talent elevator, incredibly accurate, quick decision makers, the ability to adapt. I was really impressed with, like I said earlier at the top, like the short, quick hitting passing stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on this team. Um, you know, you're looking, there's playing a first place schedule, but they're also like, those teams have to play the Bengals. Um, and they've shown the ability to go into Buffalo in weather and win. They've shown the ability to go in Kansas city and win. Like that was Kind of a, I mean, it was a really great game last year in the AFC Championship game. It was hard for it to kind of end that way on a late hit um, for Joe Asai. Like, I, you know, again, another guy that like he's 23, has played two really good seasons. Like, there's just a lot of depth on this team. Um, you know, we were kind of all like Zach Taylor's kind of a donkey, but he seems to have maybe matured in his role as well. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of value in um, a lot of the stuff that's out there now in terms of betting them. Like, you, you got the 10 and a half, good for you. Um, you know, it's tough to chase 12 wins in that market. Uh, I, you know, I like them to win the division. So like, if you wanted to make a bet, I don't know that plus 160 is a great number, uh, but I like them to win this division. I do think that they are the best team in this division. I know you guys feel strongly about some of the others and we'll get to that as well. But, um, yeah, this team is in the mix again for the Super Bowl um, after, you know, back-to-back -back AFC championship game appearances. To Clark's point about, burrow you know the clutch factor and, and all those things i i don't know what it was but one of the highlight reels of their fourth and sixth play against kansas city resurfaced on twitter the other day and i just remember watching that it, so it was like a fourth and six from midfield like 15 minutes left like the start of the fourth quarter 
he just throws like a double covered jump ball, like deep ball jump, jump ball to Jamar Chase, who somehow comes down with it. Like on fourth and six, like obviously, you know, this is like 30 yards downfield. And he throws that instead of like basically anything else. And then he catches it. And obviously they, they keep keep going there. They didn't end up winning the game, but like it put them in a great position to end up winning. And it's just one of those things that like something like that doesn't seem sustainable, yet it keeps happening. And so I, I totally understand that. It's just not something, again, like I think they're a good team. I think that they have a well-rounded, you know, I guess overall team and they have Burrow and they have Chase, but it's just not something that I don't want to lay minus 130 on 10 and a half. I don't want to lay bet over 11 and a half. Um, but that being said, borrowing a bro injury, like I can't really see them winning less than nine games or like eight games in this like absolute disaster. So for me, it's like a team where I don't even want to bet the extreme downside because you're just basically betting on a bro injury. So, uh, for me, it's just a stay away. Clark, how would you bet the Bengals if, if at all? Well, first I want to push back on, on what you said, Noonan about the defense. Like a lot of those numbers, especially sort of second half numbers, are impacted by the quarterbacks they faced last year. A lot of quarterbacks left mid-game. They played a lot of backups. I, I read somewhere that the, the, the number of snaps, the percentage of snaps they played on the season against backup quarterbacks was one of the highest in NFL history. You know, they opened the season against Trubisky. Then they played the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. They played the Jets with Joe Flacco. In that Dolphins game, Tua got hurt mid-game. They played the Ravens with both of their backup quarterbacks in back-to-back games. And we're probably set to lose a playoff game against Tyler Huntley until the Tyler Huntley fumbled on the goal line and it was returned for a touchdown. Um, I think a lot of those defensive numbers are a little bit noisy. And I think that's one of the reasons why people anticipate some regression. Um, And then on offense, like the clutch thing, Joe Burrow hasn't been clutch in late games in the playoffs. Like he's made specific plays in specific moments, but on a play to play basis, he's not been that good. Um, so I, I think a lot of that is just sort of, you know, we we have a small sample size to work with and we our, our bias becomes built around those things that we remember in those high leverage moments. So I, I expect both of those things to regress. The way I'd play it is is just if you like another team in the division, I think you could bet th- that other team to win the division. Uh, if you like other teams to win the a- AFC or the Super Bowl, like the Bills or the Chiefs or, you know, even the Chargers or someone, I think the Bengals taking so much of that market share I think is incorrect. So I think that provides some value to some potential other competitors. The Bengals win total was one I bet earlier, but I think it's been steamed down um, because people agree with me and, and Burrow, you know, has that calf injury lingering. Um, so I think the value's kind of gone from that. I would, I would lean towards the other markets. Yeah. The out of, uh, you know, unique three in terms of what we're looking at schedule wise is, is tough, right? Buffalo, Kansas city, San Francisco. That's a, that's a tough stretch uh, without a doubt. But again, like they kind of didn't, you know, lean into that last year too. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you make really good points. You know, they really got games against PJ Walker, Cooper Rush, Mitch Trubisky. Um, that helps for sure. Um, I just, I like what they did to add to the depth in some of the spots last year where maybe they had question marks. Um, you know, they missed time for both Trey Hendricks and Sam Hubbard missed time last year. Well, they went out and added Miles Murphy in the first round. Now, now they have even more depth up front. Um, yeah, they might have questions about Nick Scott. It wasn't really good last year. He needs to play a key role. Well, they added Jordan Battle, who uh, you know played under Nick Saban, and a lot of teams loved him coming out of the draft in the second round. Like, so they have some question marks in terms of, or some maybe some answers in terms of figuring out the question marks that they have. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about him. I figured that I'd like them more than Clark for sure. Um, you know, that's typically been uh, you know the mo. Um, you know, didn't want to come out here in in dunk on him very much enjoyed the Bengals uh bills game last year but uh again lots of fluke stuff i think those teams are right there again i don't think that that final score or the way that game played is indicative of how those two teams are that'd be a coin flip on a neutral field for sure uh, i just think the Bengals are in the mix with those the chiefs and the uh and the bills and uh, i get why you guys might think that they're maybe in the next year um but they're gonna be an exciting football team to watch all these teams are. Um, and this one, I'm really excited to watch this season, especially the offense. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens. The Ravens are, uh, let's see, 18 to 1 everywhere for the most part to win the Super Bowl. You can catch a 20 on points bet if you happen to have the ability to get down there. They are 11 to 1 on Caesars to win the AFC. Uh, best division price is plus 235 on DraftKings. Win total has climbed up quite a bit. Uh, there is a juiced under. On the 10 and a half, um, Caesars has a nine and a half. If you want to get in on the over, you got to lay minus 170. Um, they are also minus 160 on the yes side to make the playoffs. So, again, kind of a tale of two seasons. Really good start. They were kind of cruising. 
eight and four before Lamar Jackson went down to an injury. Um, so they kind of backed into the playoffs there. Someone had to take that last seed, and they did have a good game against Cincinnati. Um, kind of evident there was going to be some change. We weren't sure if that was going to be the quarterback or the offensive coordinator or both because it looked like for a little bit Lamar was uh, ready to go elsewhere, but they were able to come to the table. Um, I think long-term there's some questions here. Now you have to navigate roster construction with a big quarterback contract, but that's probably, you know, that's a future conversation. It doesn't really impact what we're going to see here. 2023 uh, Clark, I'm really excited about this Todd Munkin offense. I'm really excited about moving forward from the Greg Roman offense, which I thought was really stale, uh, but I'll give you the floor here to talk about the Ravens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know much about Todd Munkin. I don't watch college football. Um, I, I know that he was in the NFL before that. I know that he's not worked with a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's caliber and style. Um, so that's exciting to, to, to kind of see that partnership work out. Um, I'm not sure that I buy the idea that this is like the best set of weapons Lamar Jackson's ever worked with. It's possible, but like OBJ, you know, hasn't, hasn't really made an impact in a while. Like he was pretty good for the Rams at spots, but he wasn't really a consistent contributor. And that was you know, an, an injury and, and years ago. Um, you know, Zay Flowers is a, is a rookie. Like maybe he's good. He, he looked like he had some good agility in that preseason game, but we'll see how, you know, that turns into route running, et cetera. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, like is still a question mark. He hasn't, he hasn't really proven anything, let alone whether he can stay healthy. So it's possible. This is the best situation Lamar Jackson's ever been in. Um, it's also possible that Lamar Jackson's not a great pocket passer. Like maybe like the reason why he's so good as a quarterback is because of that threat to run. And if, if the offensive scheme is going to take that away from him, I wonder how much that eats into his efficiency. These are all question marks. I don't know the answers. What I do know is that last year, the Ravens were very good and underrated. Let me tell you about 12 weeks into the season, the Ravens had lost four games. This was with Lamar Jackson. Those four games, Miami 42-38 after leading by 21 points in the fourth. They just blew a fourth quarter lead with terrible injured secondary play against Tua who completed some big plays. Okay. Buffalo 23-20 after they were up 20 to 3, another you know, brutal comeback. They had second and goal on the one down three, and they threw an interception. Third one was the Giants. They were up in the fourth quarter with three minutes left and had the ball. And Lamar the, they fumbled the snap. And then Lamar Jackson kind of panicked and threw a pick. Giants had a 13-yard field to score a touchdown to win. And then the Jaguars, 28-27 on a, a miracle fourth uh fourth quarter comeback by Trevor Lawrence. They had third and 21 on the game-winning drive, and Lawrence converted that. Uh, he got to fourth and five and then and then a first down and then went down to score. They still missed a field goal at, at expiration to win the game. Granted, it was 67 yards, but it's Justin Tucker, right? Um, so so that was it. That was their only losses against, you know, pretty good teams in situations where they were, had strangleholds over every game at some point. Like this was a very good team. Um, and yes, like those blown leads matter, right? Like they did blow those leads and that's part of who they are as a team. But to me, it's like it also signals what their potential is. And so if all these people who are excited about the offense are correct, if Todd Munkin and these receivers are a big step up for Lamar Jackson, like this team has a very, you know, a very high ceiling on offense. Um, and on defense, they're just kind of always good every year. Like, I mean, they don't have they have some question marks and some holes and we'll see how it, how it plays out. Like like you said, they blew those leads. Right. So there's something not working right. Um which might limit how good they can be in the long run. But um, but I think that they're going to be a competitive team, and I think they're coming off an underrated year where people aren't giving them credit for who they were before the Lamar injury. I think it's fair to question you know, the receivers in a little bit in terms of like, um, you know, who are these guys? Where is Odell at this point in his career? We haven't really seen Rashad Bateman stay healthy, Zay Flowers as a rookie. But what we're talking about and what we're going up against is like Devin Duvernay, and James Proche and like, you know, Chris Moore, like over the last handful of years, like a lot, a lot of Patrick Ricard, like, you know, just like way more Patrick Ricard than you should ever have in terms of like snaps. Um, and it was just very predictable in terms of like these jumbo sets um, running into, you know, loaded boxes, you know, not really using the entirety you know, in terms of like the width of the fields. And we're going to see like, the good thing about Tom Ankin, at least what we've seen, is he's bounced back and forth, right? He was at Oklahoma State and he came into, um, you know, with, with Tampa Bay, spent some time in Cleveland, went back to Georgia. And we've seen him. It's not like this is a Todd Munkin style offense. We've seen Todd Munkin, like, look at what do I have talent wise and adjust. Um, in Tampa, it was that like, look, we can get vertical and we have quarterbacks that like to throw vertical. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, James Winston. Like, we're just going to kind of like degaff it down the field, contest the catches, let those guys win at the, you know, the point of catch. And then last year in Georgia, it was a lot of like 
almost Greg Roman style stuff. It was a lot of like 12. It was a lot of RPOs. It was um, well, even more so like pre-snap motion, a lot of stuff to like, they ran RPOs with Stenson Bennett and let him kind of do stuff. And now he's got Lamar Jackson. Um, either way, regardless of what we think of receiver, I love the duo at tight end with Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, Connor. I think that there's a lot of upside here. I think you probably see one of those receivers at least out of the three emerge and that alone. And like, again, Nelson Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar is not a guy that we should be like talking about extensively, but like in comparison to what they've had historically there, this is a massive upgrade in terms of, of talent. It's a great offensive line. You're going to allow Lamar and JK Dobbins to run against soft fronts more often because you're not going to be jam packed with everyone in the line of scrimmage. I think it's going to be an exciting offense. I'm going to poke holes in the defense, but I'm going to give you the floor first. Yeah, they also last year, as a function of the Greg Roman offense, were running just two wide receivers on the field a bunch. And like you said, a lot of jumbo sets. Now you have the option and you know the optionality to have Zay Flowers, Odell, and Rashad Bateman all out there, along with Mark Andrews, along with Zay Likely in the slot. You know, I would push back. I would say that even if it's maybe not very clearly the best wide receivers that he's had, I think that uh I think that it is, and I don't really think it's close uh when looking at things because like you said, we're mentioning the guys that you you said there, Noonan. Demarcus Robinson was like their number one wide receiver. I mean, like Nelson Aguilar would have been their number one wide receiver last year. You know, and he's their wide receiver five. You know, like or like fifth wide receiver, sixth wide receiver, pass catcher at this point. So, I would push back on that a little bit. Um, I also think that, but I don't think that this is like a guarantee to work. Like I think that that's the, the other thing too. Is the more that I thought about that, is that. People were really excited about Greg Roman when he came in because he worked with Colin Kaepernick because he worked in that like kind of like offense that we've seen work. Now we're seeing Todd Munkin, who, like you said, it doesn't necessarily he doesn't have a system, but everything we've heard has been that they're going to spread the ball out a little bit more. They're going to be playing a lot more 11 personnel. They're going to have all the receivers, maybe as they're likely playing, you know, running more routes. Is that who Lamar Jackson is? Can he do that? I'm bullish. I think that he can. And I think that if he can do that, this offense is going to be probably a top three unit. Like we're going to see outrageous scoring from this unit because the more you spread out the field, the more you spread out the field, Lamar Jackson has more holes to run. We saw it at Louisville. He does. He, he doesn't need designed runs to be a great effective runner. He can scramble and he can make people miss in the open field. And I think that that, that adds to, you know, the potential here for this offense. Now, does the running game get dinged a little bit? Probably. I mean, almost certainly they're not going to be quite as efficient running the ball, but Why? I mean, why? They could be like Todd. Well, yeah, I think you're gonna have softer fronts. You're gonna Rodney Stanley a year back from the, the knee injury. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they could be just as efficient on the ground. George's offense last year was one of the best in the nation with Stetson Bennett, like a mid-range, mid-round quarterback. They it's have Brock Bowers, who's obviously a, an elite tight end prospect. He's gonna be like a top five, top ten pick next year. But then they have like Lad McConkey at wide receiver. Like they have a bunch of just nobodies out there who are like fine, but. I mean, there's no one that noteworthy, and they were just shelling teams. Like, I mean, like 60, 70 points in the national championship game. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that they can make it work. But but I that being said, I don't think it's a guarantee. Noonan, I'd love to hear your take on the defense, though, because I originally was a little bit more bullish. Now Marlon Humphrey suffered an injury. He's kind of like iffy for week one. It was already a little bit thin there. So I'd love to get your take on the defense at this point. Real quick, we've seen market improvement on Lamar Jackson from a uh, passer in terms of like intermediate, like 10 to 19 yards down the field. Um, he's improved massively. Last year, while he was on the field, he was second in passing DVOA from 10 to 19 yards. He's made in, like small incremental improvements every single year. So, yeah, do I think that there are still some limitations? Yeah, but like he's also just a significantly better athlete than almost everyone else playing the position, and that's still going to be – advantageous for him as well real quick I, 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 before you adopt it in defense real quick i heard this on the athletic pod and i thought it rang home really well on in breaking routes which is apparently what they're going to be doing a lot of he has the same epa per play as patrick mahomes on 11 personnel last year he had the same epa per play also as patrick mahomes so again reasons to be bullish on them transitioning maybe out of like their jumbo fronts and like you know run first offense uh compared to this yeah i have questions about odell and i have questions about bayman but like Zay Flowers is a rookie, but I, Zay, where Zay Flowers is going to operate is where Lamar wins up and down the seam. It's where Mark Andrews is going to run and where Isaiah likely plays. So while those two kind of figure their stuff out on the outside, you throw Nelson Aguilar in the mix there as well. Where I think they're going to be able to hit the ground running is where some of like the best talent is, in my opinion, in terms of this offense. Defensively, I have massive concerns. I like that they signed Jadavion Clowney. Um, they added a little bit of pass rush. I was 
it was interesting to see that they really kind of let that go this offseason. They were kind of banking on some of the younger guys stepping up because they look, I mean, Calais Campbell uh, was getting up there, but had a pretty good year. Um, Justin Houston, who was their best pass rusher, uh, Jason Pierre Paul, again, limited snaps, but you know, gets to the quarterback. Chuck Clark at safety, Marcus Peters, those are all guys that are gone from last year's defense. Um, now, the, I have massive concerns at corner. You mentioned already we have some injuries with what's going on there um, with Marlon Humphrey. Rocky Sin is okay, but he never is healthy. He like plays, he's played like 11, 13 games a season. Everyone behind him is really young, super inexperienced. And we've seen this like with the Ravens in like the Harbaugh era. There's some like bottom out, bottom five in the league defensive seasons. And it's all come because the secondary kind of collapses. Um, so not a good start that Humphrey is already dealing with some stuff. They also, again, like the uh, signed Clowney, but Clowney was kind of a disappointment last year. Um, you know, they need like uh, David Ajobo and Adolfe Oa, like to kind of step in and be those guys. Like that puts a lot of pressure on them to, to be those guys. They also were near the bottom in pressure rate last year, 25.4% ranked 24th in the league. They were sixth in adjusted sack rate. That doesn't happen over and over again. So kudos to Mike McDonald or some really well-timed blitzes, but like you're telling me that you have to generate pressure and you got home a lot more often than you would expect based off of your pressure rate. So like that pressure to sack rate is massively unsustainable. And if you don't have guys in the back end that can hold it down, that becomes a big time problem. Kyle Hamilton had a really nice second half of the season when they moved him into the box and let him play nickel. When they put him back at safety, it was kind of a disaster. They need him to play safety this year with Chuck Clark gone. Um, so that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, they might even need his services to play nickel again. Like it, there's just, there's a lot of, it feels kind of like a house of cards uh, that could really collapse in a bad, bad way. I think this team early or maybe even later and maybe before books adjust, it could be a massive over team um, because I really am bullish on the offense. And I think the defense is going to be, susceptible to a lot of things. Now, Roquan Smith was awesome when he came in last year. He also allowed like Patrick Queen to play his role better. Patrick Queen is like just a guy that can fly sideline to sideline, can cover, can cover your tight end as a guy that you can blitz off the end. That helped a lot. You didn't have to play him in the traditional linebacker role. So like Roquan is great. Maybe a guy that's a rarity in terms of like, just, you know, he's in the team picture of like overall best linebackers in the league. He's great. But is that enough? Like, do we you know, really want to lean on, um, you know, inside middle, middle linebacker to like anchor the defense? I think they're going to have trouble getting pressure and I think they're going to have a hard time holding up in the back end. So um, yeah, I don't, I think this is a below average defense that could be really, really bad. Um, and for them to be average to above average, um, they need a lot of things to go well, especially health. And we're not off to a good start. Yeah, I remember last offseason, the football knowers were super excited about the secondary, like all the all the different positions they could play and how they were going to do it. Like, I, I think I remember Mina Kimes talking about how exciting the secondary is going to be. And then it just kind of fell flat on its face, like injuries and, and guys not being as good as they hoped they were or good at they like had a hard time figuring out what everybody's role was going to be. And so some of that might have been growing pains, but some of that might be signal, especially with Marlon Humphrey starting the season out and then losing Jason Peters, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I, I got some concerns as well. Uh, Connor, how are we betting on the, uh, on the Ravens? I think originally when we talked, I was like, oh, they could win the division, you know? And I, I still feel that way, but I also feel that way <laughs> about the next two teams. Uh, and so, you know, and, and now that like we bring up more concerns about the defense, uh, cause I think everything you said is completely valid too. If we look at the corners. So behind Marlon Humphrey, we're looking at, I mean, maybe Ronald Darby or Demarion Williams. I mean, there's just a lot of question marks here. It's not a lot of reps there, man. I mean, yeah, Brandon Stevens and Arthur Mallette were 90th out of 118 and 107th out of 118 in Pro Football Focus's cornerback grades. Just, just not great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's really thin in the back, and so, yeah, like you said, it's probably just an over team to start if you believe in their offense, which I do. I think it's going to become. I mean, matchup dependent, obviously, as well. So I, I kind of like, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like, but I don't think the offense is guaranteed to work either. Like, I'm excited. And I think it's going to be, could be awesome. Like, it could be sick, but it could also just be, what if Lamar can't do it? I mean, it's very possible. Yeah. Over team is kind of how I'm, I'm in, you know, in on this team early. I think we could see some pretty high point totals. Um, you know, even the first week they play in Houston, that could be an interesting one. I wish that number was a little bit lower. It's kind of sitting on the, a key number. I'd love to see some uh, 
maybe some positive. Maybe Clark can get down. I know he's flirting with Houston. Maybe Clark can get down. We can uh, manipulate that uh, that Baltimore team total to be an overplay. Uh, if Clark ends up deciding to pull the trigger on Houston, I'm waiting for wait for him to kind of do that for me. So, uh, but yeah, no no interest in any of the other future numbers. What's the total in that game right now? Is, is Houston uh, Baltimore 44? Oh, that could be hot. You never know. That could that could be hot. I mean, Baltimore could put up 30 themselves. It just it involves CJ Stroud, so I I rather isolate uh, Baltimore. If uh, it looked if, better know. in uh, week preseason week two, he had like a drive that he looked competent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It just early in the season, I you know against Harbaugh and you know having the ability to like game plan for that for a couple extra weeks that makes me uh, have a little bit of pause. But hey, Clark is interested, and uh, I don't hate it. I mean. You know, we we I think said some nice things about the Texans last week. My my number is actually like the Ravens with with Stroud at quarterback. Okay, I'm, yeah, that's I'm right. Was it? it too too much uncertainty for me for a week one game on both sides? So it's going to be a, a wait and observe. But my number is for what it's worth, like the Ravens. Okay, yeah, it was a Davis Mills play. That's right. I don't want to box. Yeah, I do that. like I do like Mills. That changes it a little bit. And they haven't announced Stroud yet. Like I I'm on record <laughs> saying that I think they should start Mills, and we'll see if the Texans listen to me or not. They keep rolling out Stroud for every preseason start, but uh, Clark's yeah, over they're here. trying to get him that experience. It's important, but they should That's still true. start Mills. We go in. It's true. We're waiting for that one. As soon as that news comes through, uh, you got to download the Fantasy Life app. You get that information first there, uh, and you know Clark will have access to that right away, and then he'll make a quick move on uh, Davis Mills led Texans. So, all right, interesting teams continue. We will move on to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, really ex- excited to get your guys' thoughts here. Browns thirty five. Uh, basically everywhere to win the Super Bowl. The AFC price is 20 on Caesars. Uh, division, 4-1, to one, best number there on FanDuel. We have a 9.5 win total, which is slightly juiced to the over. Uh, and you're getting plus money to back them to make the playoffs. They are plus 115 on DraftKings. Uh, the no side, best number there is minus 120 on FanDuel. Um, this was interesting, guys. I mean, it's, it comes down to... I think there's a lot of things here, but it's, it's basically a Deshaun Watson conversation. Um, it was bad uh, from a wins loss standpoint. It was three and three um, clearly outplayed by Jacoby Brissett, who was starting holding down the fort while uh, Watson served his suspension. And I just, it's like, what do we do with that six game sample? Um, and that really shapes your feeling on the Browns. Um, his first meaningful snap since 2020 Um Meaningful is not really how I would describe how he played, but when you compare it to the 2020 stuff, and again, Clark has talked about this, like, you know, I think he's going to maybe poke some holes on some long-term Watson stuff, massive dips in basically anything that was meaningful, adjusted completion percentage, you know, big time throw rate, turnover where he plays, uh, time to throw, which has always kind of been long, um, was even higher, pressure to sack rates, basically anything took a massive dip. It depends on what you think of like, the NFL like passer rating it was like half of what he had in 2020. It was it was it was not great. Um, now again, there was a bad weather game in there. There's some other stuff. If you want to be pro Watson, that's probably how you kind of shape that. But you know, Connor, I'll kick it to you. Let you get started with the Browns. Yeah, this is tough. I mean, initially I wanted to buy the dip on Watson because I, you know, contrary to Clark, I I do think that he was a good player at one point in his career. You know, led the league in yards per attempt in 2020. Now obviously he had Will Fuller, he had DeAndre Hopkins, but now at this point. He has Amari Cooper. He has Elijah Moore. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a solid stretch outside as well. On top of a significantly better offensive line than he's ever played with in his entire career. And I think that that allows him a little bit more flexibility in terms of doing what he does, which is kind of maybe he's a little bit of a slow processor, I would say. But I think that he is able to make plays downfield uh, if he's able to get time. And I think that this Cleveland line will be able to do that for him. And the running game is, is elite, you know, absolutely with Nick Chubb and the run blocking offensive line. So I think those that's like kind of the, the bull outlook there. But the the negative is that, and something that I'm trying to actually probably change pretty quick here, quickly here, is that if it's not happening early in the season, like I think it's time to jump ship like pretty quick because we got six games last year. We got a full off season this year. We have basically not everything you could ask for around him, but pretty close in terms of above average supporting cast and a good offensive line and a relatively good system. I mean, if he's still not looking good, like, I, I don't know. I think it's time to jump ship here pretty quick. And the reports out of training camp, you know, whatever it was like a couple days ago that he hadn't completed more than two passes in a row on any 11 and 11 work. Uh, not great. Uh, you know, so <laughs> like 
It definitely makes me a little bit more concerned about the upside of this team. Now, that being said, they added a couple of good defensive players. They added Dalvin Tomlinson to prove their run D, which was a major hole last year. They had Juan Thornhill at safety, plus another edge rusher. And I'm going to butcher it, but uh, it's two O's in a row. Um, So, you know, we're looking at their front here. Their front four all rank in the top 17 of pro football focuses rank that ranks at edge and interior defensive line out of like a hundred plus qualifiers. Like their front is really strong. They have some good players in the secondary, like the team and the roster as a whole, I think is one of the strongest in the division, but obviously if Deshaun Watson isn't who he was, or even isn't like 90% of who he was in Houston, like there's no shot that the Browns hit their ceiling because we haven't really seen Deshaun Watson be able to manage a game, like, and like kind of take a step back and just not screw things up. And if he can do that, then maybe they could still hit their ceiling or come close. But I don't know. I have some concerns. I think part of the point that you've made, Clark, in the past is um, I think completely valid. Like where uh, like Amari Cooper, where Elijah Moore win. It's really early in the snap. They win. They get off the line quick. They get separation. Um, and that is not does not line up with the skill sets of Deshaun Watson. So – and that kind of is what I think we're getting from some of those camp reports. Um, maybe not specifically that piece, but like the in, you know in the accurate the inaccurate performances, the infrequency of completions, all those things. We need to see a maturation in terms of Deshaun Watson, the processor, um, and maybe that's like him leaning on athleticism and saying like, "Look, I can hold the ball long enough and let Will Fuller run deep down the field, and I even have the option to tuck it and run, or I'm just going to throw it, you know, deep one to to Fuller, and he's going to win." Well, now that's you know that's Donovan People Jones. That's not super sticky. Uh, and again, like I want to give him credit; he was more than that type of guy. But when you look at you know, his basically time to throw rate is is always like right around three seconds. It's significantly longer than most team, most you know league average in terms of like how often the quarterbacks throw the ball. So. Yeah, the offensive line is great. Yeah, the running game is great. Um, Nick Chubb is a stud. But, like, if they're going to reach their ceiling, and, again, if he is that guy that we saw in Houston, that's why we're talking about a ceiling. That's why we're talking about them being in the mix to win this division because uh, the defense is going to be exciting. But I want to give it to Clark and let him get started on Deshaun Watson here in the, in the Browns. Look, if you are a believer in Deshaun Watson, then you should be overweight Browns futures right now at current prices because – they have arguably the best trenches set up in the NFL when you look at offensive and defensive line, which is crucially important. Uh, they have a schedule that is outside the division pretty easy. Like, you know, the divisions they match up against are fairly doable. Their unique three are the Bears, the Broncos, and the Jets, whereas, you know, the Bengals and the Brown, uh, Ravens have much tougher sets of three in those divisions. Um, things are set up for them to do well if they can put it all together. But me, I do not believe in Deshaun Watson, so I'm not. I'm staying away. the The thing about Watson is he he has like you know the numbers are the numbers, right? But even before anything happened off the field, like I remember watching him and just being like, he's not inspiring his teammates. He doesn't seem engaged. Like when when bad things happen, he doesn't really seem to care. He just kind of has bad body language, and it's like those kinds of things are like you know analytics people hate like relying on those things because they're not quantifiable. But like that's an element of football, right? And and the counterexample I want to use and the one I, I wrote about is Jalen Hurts. Like last year, Jalen Hurts won his team over with the way that he carried himself on and off the field. Like he's just a, a guy that the team wanted to fight for. And so Deshaun Watson, even before anything off field happened, lacked those qualities. And then he had the whole off field stuff and like hasn't really done very well you know publicly and in handling that like he keeps coming out and just kind of being like well the media is just like painting me as the bad guy or whatever um and and i just don't see a team being inspired by their leadership and when you combine that with the fact that i have some cultural questions about the browns in general like you know the way baker mayfield kind of failed after a promising start like points to i think some problems within the the structure of, of leadership there especially stefanski and so, like adding in Deshaun Watson is not the salve that's going to fix the problems in the in the locker room, right? So all of that is like non-analytical, and I'm not betting it. These aren't these aren't things that I'm like, oh, because of this, I'm going to fade the Browns. These are things that are keeping me off being optimistic because if things don't work out, I won't be surprised. And then on the field, like you said, Watson is not the kind of player who hits timing routes with accuracy and pre- precision. And Elijah Moore, like you said, is the kind of guy who gets open quickly, needs a, a quick decision maker at quarterback. It's not a coincidence that when he was with the Jets, his best games came 
when Joe Flacco and Mike White were at quarterback and his worst games came when Zach Wilson was at quarterback because Wilson is the same way as Watson. He wants to run around and make plays, you know, out of structure, make things happen downfield. And he can, he can make that 60 yard pass downfield when the play breaks down, but that's not a consistent way to win. And in today's NFL, and that's not a way to use an effective offensive line, which is what the Browns have. So I just think it's sort of like a mess on offense until I see evidence that Watson has changed as a quarterback or until I see evidence that they're going to use RPOs and, and read options and things to kind of make it easier for him to hit those layups. If one of those two things happens, I think this Browns team can be pretty good, but I'm, I'm not betting on it. We did see a late spike in design rush rate from Watson late in the season last year. So that would be something I would want to watch early. There might be a, a prop opportunity for us to get in on Watson's rushing yards in that, you know, early season games. Um, he also scrambled more too, but that actually speaks to the negatives in terms of what we're expecting him, you know, and how he operates uh, within the framework of the system. So defensively, we've touched on it and I'm with you guys. Like it's almost good enough to sustain a average Watson, right? If we get 85, 90% of what we saw in Houston, the defense is just really, really solid. Miles Garrett is like the dude, but he's kind of been flying solo for the most part, especially up front since he's been there, but now like it's just significantly better. Like, you know, Connor mentioned, uh, Zadarius Smith, uh, Okarala, the kid from tech, the, the Texans really good. And it's Jim Schwartz coming in, um, uh, replacing Joe Wood and, and Schwartz is the opposite of Lou Amarillo, who we talked about earlier. Like Schwartz has his system. He runs that wide nine front. Um, he likes to play a lot of man on the outside. Um, he likes to win pressure wise with his front four. They have the horses to do that up front and they have great depth in the secondary and guys who can lock down and win. So like they're really good where it matters in terms of, you know, being able to, to run like single high safety press man stuff because the trio of Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson and Greg Newsom is maybe the best three corners in the league. So if they're able to stay healthy, that's a really, really, really good unit. They also had really poor turnover luck last year. Um, they forced just 20 total turnovers. They recovered um, six of the 19 fumbles against them. Uh, that's unsustainable as well. So they should have some positive regression there. Uh, and again, like all these, this ability to like allow Miles Garrett to win and do some things differently where he's not going to be, you know, he's still going to get double teamed at a massively high rate. But like they do have other guys on the other side that can win as well. Like Dalvin Tomlinson, as, as Connor mentioned, like, they needed something. They needed some mass interior-wise to like eat up something um, to stop the run because you could just run all over them no matter down or distance early, late. Um, so Dalvin Tomlinson helps a lot. He's not like an elite winner in terms of like you know run-stop win rate, but he helps. And they had massive turnover uh, at linebacker last year. They used like seven, eight guys at times. Like it was an impossible – like books never posted any linebackers from the rounds to bet because they never knew who was going to play because there was massive injuries and they like were just rotating guys. Um, Grant Delpit's going to play a lot of like box safety role and he adds to like almost the depth of the linebacker position. So Juan Thornton Hill comes over from Kansas City. He's going to play more of a free safety role. It's a really good defense if they can stay healthy. So this is why like they're an interesting team at plus money to make the playoffs. Like Clark said, if you are bullish – on Watson maybe taking a step forward. So, um, Connor, how are we betting on the Browns? Yeah, that's probably I, – I think that, like, you should – this is a team you could play the high-end outcomes, maybe even, like, in the AFC. Because if they do hit that, like, if Watson is who he is, like, I mean, they very much can compete. Uh, now, that being said, there's a lot of ifs that go along with that. Their defensive metrics last year were pretty bad, to be honest. I mean, 29th in pressure rate, 25th, 30th in rushing EPA per play. Um, like, you know, we're not only – on paper, their team is really good, but that doesn't always happen. You know, like, like it, it's like one of those things where we're like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's good. This guy's good. It doesn't always mean that there's a unit. They're going to be good. And they have a, a pretty wide step that they have to take forward. Now that being said on paper, it's pretty easy to project them to be like a, you know, top 10 unit in my opinion. So I think this can change very quickly on defense too. We've noticed, you know, obviously it's like one of the least sticky uh, stats like year to year. So I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, personally, I would just kind of shoot for the high end outcomes for the Browns here. And I think that their defense and running game can keep them in play for like all of these teams, I think are pretty high floor teams. They're looking at like seven, eight wins here, even if things are not going all that well for a team like the Browns. Clark, I know you're not pro Browns. Um, are you looking to actively fade them or is it just kind of a wait and see based off of what we see from Watson early? Yeah, hands off. Let, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Too, too good on paper to fade. Yeah, makes sense. All right, last team in the division, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, again, if this is your you know 
last team in the division. Um, the division's pretty damn good. 60 to 1 to win the Super Bowl on Caesars. Uh, Caesars has best prices across the board for the most part. Uh, 35 to win the AFC. They are uh, plus 475 to win the division. There's eight and a half juiced over um, for their win total as a flat nine on Caesars at minus 115. Uh, you can get plus money on them as well at plus 140 on Rivers to make the playoffs. No on the playoff side is minus 150 for Pittsburgh. Again, um, if you're looking to fade the 2023 Steelers, you are stepping up against one of maybe the strongest trends in pro sports. Mike Tomlin, uh, 16 consecutive seasons of eight or more victories. That to me has been increasingly impressive over the last couple of years, basically with like the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger. And then last year was a mix, a mix of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. So to continue to do it, um, it was super impressive. They had a ton of injury luck. They had the fewest adjusted games lost due to injury in the league last season, really outside of TJ Watt defensively. They didn't really miss anyone. Their offensive line had like historic continuity. Um, and then they went out and added both, you know, Isaac Samoa, one of the best free agent guards out there, stealing him from Philadelphia. And then they added Broderick Jones from Georgia in the draft. So they said, hey, like we got a little bit lucky last year, even though everyone played, they weren't great. And now they've added some talent there as well. Is again comes down to the quarterback, Clark. What do we expect from Kenny Pickett in year two? There was some good, there was some bad. Uh, if you want to just hey, wins and losses, that group really likes Kenny Pickett because it looked good down the stretch. I have some questions. Um, I think you might as well, but you know, talk to me about the Steelers. Yeah, I think that's the question, and I do have questions. And it's not just Kenny Pickett, it's Matt Canada, too. I think they were they were good on offense down the stretch last year between the twenties in part because they had a fabulous run game. And that was in part because their offensive line was like you said, historically healthy. I think the same five guys played every game. Uh, anytime you have that kind of injury luck on the offensive line, you're going to have a good year. Um, and then you have to follow that up with a question of like, okay, what are the odds a lineman gets hurt? Now, what are the odds that one of five linemen get hurt? Right? Like the odds that they're going to be as good up front as they were last year aren't very high. Um, the other question I have is, they struggled in the red zone, and that is usually a problem of two things. One is uh, play calling, right? Like the, the most effective red zone teams are ones that can use creativity to open up options in the in the when when the field is tight and they have you know they have to win up front or they have to win on on deception. Like the Chiefs do that really well, the Eagles do that really well. Um, they they did not do well, and and the other reason that teams struggle in the red zone is because the quarterback isn't very good at anticipating timing and like like anticipating when guys are going to be open. The windows when you're down in, in the red area are so small and they open for such a small amount of time that you have to be ready to pull the trigger before it even opens. And Kenny Pickett was really, really good when George Pickens was beating his man, or even if he didn't beat his man, he could put the ball in a place where George Pickens could go get it in coverage and make the catch. And it was great highlights. It's awesome, fun, whatever. But what Kenny Pickett was not good at was like seeing all the routes develop and hitting them in, in time. And so he struggled against the zone relative to against man, because against man, it's just you and your guy trying to beat the defender. And they were good at that against zone. It's much more about scheme and timing. And I think he, both he and Matt Canada struggled last year with that. Now I don't want to write him off because he was a rookie and it's possible that they just had a vanilla offense because they didn't want to put too much on his plate and overwhelm him knowing that they weren't really a Super Bowl team. So there's a there's a window here. They kept Matt Canada, which I thought was a bit weird. But if the plan is let's take it a step further in complexity, let's make Pickett, you know, take a step forward in year two, then I can understand that. They wanted to, some continuity to build off. <clears throat> it's possible that's the way they go. Um, but I'm skeptical. I think I think Pickett needs to prove to me that he's the kind of guy that can, you know, stay in the pocket. He bailed a lot of pockets too early. I want him to stay in the pocket and make those reads and make those timing throws. Once he can do that. I think he has the potential to be a really complete quarterback and, and a quarterback that can take this offense to the next level. Without this offense going to the next level, the Steelers are going to be a very limited team. You, you can't win in today's NFL on defense and relying on a run game behind a good offensive line. Like that's just not a way to win sustainably. So they need to take that step and I need to see it first. Yeah, I, I mean, you laid that out um, perfectly in my opinion. I mean, that's kind of the opposite of what he was built in terms of coming in as, as a quarterback. And, you know, people didn't love him. He had limitations, but he won the first round. It was like, hey, this guy's a little bit older than your average first round quarterback. He's a really good processor or quick decision maker, uh, you know, limited athleticism. We saw like the complete opposite. We saw a guy who, it, it, like first read, yeah, it was okay. Anything that needed to develop, it was 
not good. And that led to him tucking and running way more than anyone thought in terms of like his scramble rate. And like everyone was, we were banking on like these Kenny Pickett unders and rushing. It's like, like what, what is happening? He just kept like tucking and running every week because he couldn't get off of the first read. And that actually translated to the opposite of what we saw with Lamar, who continues to improve in terms of intermittent, uh, you know, 10 to 19 yards in terms of, you know, distance wise, he was second lowest in DVOA. Kenny Pickett was um, last season. So anything they needed to him to kind of get to the second read, second level, anything outside of like just hitting, you know, Deontay Johnson on a, sl- on a slant or um, you know, just kind of a D-gaff ball to, to Pickens became a problem. That's why, you know, a lot of good, like quick early stuff to Fryermuth. Um, it, that's not necessarily leading to anything else. So um, I have some questions here on the defensive side is get, again too, but uh, Connor, I'll let you get started on, uh, on the Steelers. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more bullish than you guys. One initially, like I think that the offensive line, I counted the opposite take. So I like, come in the last season, they were rejected to be one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, and then I wound up, you know, out of continuity and just overall, they outperformed expectations. But then you add in Isaac Samalo, who's 10th out of 77 guards last year, according to Pro Football Focus. You draft the left tackle in Broderick Jones. You know, like you're adding more beef to an offensive line that already had pretty good continuity and that like you're giving it a little bit more depth. So like I think that you're not maybe last year is the floor, but I think that their range of outcomes are a lot higher this year than we were looking at, like literally the worst offensive line in the league last year. So I think that gives them more optionality offensively. Um, and defensively here, we look at TJ Watt, who missed half last season. Uh, you know, obviously the splits are a little bit noisy considering they played a lot of pretty bad teams in this in the those splits with TJ Watt, but they allowed more than 20 points once in the 10 games that he played last year. Um, and their their efficiency metrics were not again not necessarily great, but then they went out and they added Joey Porter Jr. They signed two new linebackers. Um, they still have, you know, TJ Watt, Minka, uh, Patrick Peterson. Like, I, I think that their defense is actually going to be good. Um, and so that I think changes things like TJ Watt. I think it really changes things for them. Now, the final question is Kenny Pickett. I don't know if he's good. I don't, I'm not going to tell you that I think that he's awesome, but all we've seen from him this so, so far in the preseason has been uh, electric. I mean, nine of 13 for a hundred something yards, ripping the ball, making good decisions um, just like looks different. Uh, and so again, it's not a team that not a player that I'm like, Oh, this is for sure it, but you know, early returns so far are, significantly better when we compare it to guys like you know Bryce Young and CJ Stroud who look like absolute piss through two games in the preseason so you know like <laughs> I don't think that's worth knocking him on and, and if they can get anything remotely interesting on a picket I think that they can be a competitive team now if they can't then they kind of lowers their ceiling significantly I think but if they can like I think they're interesting now Nuno I'm curious to hear your holes in the defense because I didn't go as thorough into each and every position but um, I think they could be good. Their metrics last year were not good, but I think that they could be all right this year. I think they could be all right. And then you mentioned like TJ Watt changes, you know, the calculus of all of it. And they have some continuity in terms of their stars. Still have Cam Hayward. Um, you know, you still have Micah Fitzpatrick and you have TJ Watt. Now that helps a lot. But you're going to be rolling out like six new starters. I think the upgrades, there's upgrades at the linebacker position in comparison to like, so last year, Miles Jack, um, Devin Bush, those are really like, elite athletes in terms of linebacker position. They're good at coverage. You can allow them maybe in times to travel in the slot and do some different stuff. Um, when you look some of the like second level yard stuff um, and, you know, open field rush rate stuff a lot, like those guys are out of position a lot um, and, and were great. So they added some like boring, uh, not great athletes, but like solid, like Cole Holcomb from Washington is going to be a nice linebacker for them. Elon Roberts is going to be a good linebacker for them. My questions are in the secondary a little bit. So like, Patrick Peterson was – we had already like buried Patrick Peterson. He came back, had a really nice year in Minnesota, who played almost every snap in just zone. And Patrick Peterson played really well. That's not really what Pittsburgh likes to do as much. And their other top corner, Levi Wallace, is almost exclusively good in man coverage, in press man, because he's kind of big, um, not really quick, not fast. So he needs to get his hands on you to win. And if so they need – him to be set up that way, and then you need Peterson in zone. Otherwise, you're going to have a problem because they don't really gel very well. They play very different styles. We've seen Patrick Peterson be forced at this stage in his career to play a lot of man, and it did not go very well. So they're – and what are you going to do? Like you're going to then tell me that you're going to get into like sub packages where you're taking your best guys off the field. That to me is is a problem. So um, 
that's my biggest concern. Um, they have some other issues in turnover at safety. I think they could be okay. I don't think this is a bad defense. I think they are minimally league average with some upside because of Watt. Um, but again, like the defensive front has some turnover. And I just worry again about the, you know, the, the corners and how that's going to work. Cause someone's going to be a mismatch for one of the teams, like in terms of where you see Wallace has been like repeatedly, despite having like some good grades in terms of like explosive play rate, average depth of target. Um, if he can't win at the line of scrimmage, guys get by him and he loses. He gives up ma- like last in the league again on, on um, you know ten plus yard receptions allowed. So I, I'm worried about that marriage between Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace because you need both of those guys in the field at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think I'm a little more bullish on the on the front with you know T.J. Watt, Larry Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward, you know Highsmith. I think there's like a couple of good guys and the linebackers that upgrade. You know, yeah, Benton. Like, they drafted Benton in the draft. I think that kid's going to be good too. So yeah, I mean, right. I think, yeah. But yeah, the scheme wise, it definitely is really interesting. Now that being said, I think that having a good pass rush can obviously mask coverage issues if you're able to scheme that. And you know, I hate to be the the trends guy of Mike Tomlin always has winning seasons, but some coaches are just good coaches and they find a way to get the most out of their guys. Like it just is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, nah, it was, they were so lucky to win it. I mean, the, the, the down the yeah, street, like 20 year. years though. We have like yeah. 20 years. Yeah. But who cares? They don't have Ben Roethlisberger anymore. This is a completely <laughs> different team. Last year they beat the Ravens by three with, I don't know if it was Huntley or Brown playing quarterback. They beat the Raiders by three in cars last game. They beat the Panthers. Who knows who's playing quarterback for them. They beat the Falcons by three with Mariota. They beat the Colts when they were playing, I think, Sam Ellinger. Like, down the stretch, they played some really easy teams. And the, and the TJ Watt splits are, like, heavily skewed. They got absolutely, you know, destroyed by the Eagles and the Bills and uh, the Bengals. They also put up, like, 35, 40 points on them. Um, so I just don't really see this as a good defense. I don't think TJ Watt is one player who can turn a defense that's allowing 40 points into a, a good defense. I think it was just coincidence. They played a bunch of bad teams when TJ Watt was back. And, and I think people read too much into that. They get some really nice uh, games though, against the uh, Texans, Cardinals, Rams, Patriots, Titans, Raiders. I mean, I mean, some of those teams are okay. I mean, I think you you guys are a little higher on the Patriots and maybe Titans than I am, but I don't know. I, I, I think that those are at least a couple of those are pretty easy games comparatively. So uh, I can understand, I can understand that, but I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm buying too much sipping the Tomlin Kool-Aid after my entire lifetime of him just winning, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, because so a combination of, you know, Tomlin being the coach up a defense that, that we have concerns about, um, again, even the concerns, I think they're still going to be fine. Uh, but you know, Kenny Pickett is also in the second year. It's okay. They assume that, uh, there's a, a possibility that he could take a step forward just think that there are questions and like for the first time it's been like wide receiver university, basically like they just, they produce and just churn out these guys that they pick late in drafts and they have a little less depth in terms of what is going on. there. like, they need Allen Robinson in the slot to be really good um, or like to be serviceable. And I don't know, that should concern all of us after uh, last year's abysmal season. So I don't know. I've, I've, I'm staying away in terms of anything in the future market to wait and see, cause I want to see what happens with, uh, with Kenny Pickett. But uh, again, I just don't want to take, I don't want to run head on into the Mike Tomlin stuff and, and maybe some potential growth from Pickett. But yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a decent football team. So um, anyone want to have any bets, Clark, do you have any bets currently on the, on the Steelers? I will say uh, attaboy JM made a comment earlier about, you know, is this the the most competitive division in the league top to bottom? I, yes, absolutely. In my opinion, I think, the Steelers are the best fourth best team in, in their division in the NFL. Right. Um, so yes, the, the Steelers are, are a good team. And I think if they were in a different division, I'm, I might be more optimistic. Um, Caesars released a bad line on them that I took on, on make the playoffs, but nothing at current prices for me on the Steelers. I think they've gotten a lot of steam and I am not joining that steam. I think that's what I'll say. I, this is an egregious comment from you, by the way, that I posted from the chat earlier that I want to get Connor's takes on. Uh, although this is the NFC. I, th- I read this quickly. That's the AFC East. Um, oh, okay. I thought, was, I thought it was the AFC East at first. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with the NFC East having two good teams. I, I agree with that. I thought this was an anti-Dolphins take that the AFC East only has good teams. So I read that quickly during the show and I'm like, oh, no, I got to get back to that. breaks my heart that I didn't get to do that show with you guys, by the way. That was going to, you know, I was, I was very excited to tee up some, some Dolphins and, Bill Belichick, you know, burying himself this year in the grave. Uh, I'm very excited to watch that happen. I, I am getting more skeptical about the Dolphins, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Honestly, I, I kind of am too, but it's all right. 
Yeah, I'm not as bullish as I was for sure. Um, L- Little Bull said, we on that plus 475 division. I think that's Steelers he's talking about, or she. Um, I think I think if you are bullish Steelers, I think the way to play it is some of those higher odds bets because it's sort of like our blind spots as NFL analysts and fans is we don't often see how big a quarterback's leap can be between year one and year two. And, and we, we, we're so anchored to what we've seen on the field. And so like, while I'm not necessarily expecting it, like the range of outcomes for Pickett is very wide and he looked very sharp in the preseason. So if that is an indication of something that's going to come on the field later, um, then I think the Steelers are going to be a very competitive team. It's just too close to me to the Browns price. I was looking at plus 135 to make the playoffs, but the, I mean, the AFC is so hard to make the playoffs that like, it's not really a good price. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think that they could very honestly, very reasonably finish around, finish above the Browns, flirt with the Ravens. And I wouldn't, I don't think anyone would bat an eye, but like second best in the division, nine wins. I mean, you're probably getting in, but maybe not. I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's going to be, you're going to be close. You're going to be in on tiebreakers or, you know, like something like that. And the, I don't the know other thing, that's really what I love to bet on. The other thing about Pickett is like he he won two games last year on last second plays that where he just they they were low percentage plays but he made them happen you know it kind of like the the Patrick Mahomes type plays where you're just like okay that like that that's not gonna work again but if he has that you know like step it up in the highest moments kind of mentality like he could win a couple of those games that that could go either way and and that goes a long way in, in a tough AFC. To be clear too, I was not necessarily very impressed with him last year. I just thought he was you know, below average, like, and was, was fine. Like, yeah, so, he, he wasn't we'll great, but he delivered in two moments that people remember. Uh, Connor's big uh, quarterback wins guy. So <laughs> I, I agree with you guys. I think this is a, I think it's the best division of football uh, for sure. Just cause I, you know, feel really strongly. Um, well, I like the Bengals quite a bit. Um, I think the Ravens offense is going to be great. Um, Brown's, Defense is good enough to solidify whatever happens there with, with Watson and the Steelers are, uh, I think, a team that has, like uh, like Clark said, more range of outcomes than, than maybe we should expect. Uh, so, yeah, good football teams. Fun talking about good football teams. One more left, AFC West, which is also uh, has at least two good football teams. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if anyone wants to get, make a case for a third good football team there, but we'll uh, unpack that next week. So head over to four. Oh, go ahead. Jerry Judy might have got carted off during this podcast. Yeah, mid show. He got he pulled up with a hammy. Uh, I think he might have popped some there. Yeah, not good. Go get those Marvin Min, Min shares. But uh, you know, want to talk about another quarterback who may be not good at uh, processing quickly and getting the ball out? Yeah, <laughs> uh, come back for next week's show and we'll talk more about uh, about some of that. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, head over to 444.com. You can read Clark's preview of this uh, AFC North that we just talked about. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to read mine as well. Those are uh, free content there for you at 444. Get in the show notes. Take advantage, guys. $10 uh, with a deposit at BetMGM for a new account uh, to get a betting stuff for the full year. $10. Uh, it's an insane deal. Um, again, even if you're just playing fantasy and you want it for your draft this weekend, uh, take advantage of the $10. Use our rankings projections, all those things uh, to get yourself helped out. So we'll be back next week. AFC West for Connor and Clark. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.